All right, welcome to Sweathead with Mark Pollard. I have Chelsea Coleman and Rochelle Di Gregorio, who recently co-founded a group of Flock that's aiming to do some spectacular stuff, specifically to help women get jobs, get paid, get and 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 get shine or just shine. Uh, for for what it's worth, Chelsea is a senior strategist at Roken, and Rochelle Di Gregorio. Did you intern with us at some point at Big Spaceship? And then I interned you got a job? at Big Spaceship. I worked mm. at Big Spaceship. Now I'm freelancing. I know. Yeah. So, so I've known you since your early days. And, yes, uh, baby strategist days. And, and did I actually know you when you were at the University of Oregon? No. Oh. So you had, like, you were connected with those folks, but we were ships passing in the night. We didn't meet until Big Spaceship. I think, I think there, when there was a group of us that visited Big Spaceship and you talked to the group and I was in that group, so uh so. sorry sorry about that i probably, no, it was great. I probably <laughs> my, whenever i do public talks my main aim is to traumatize people so. <laughs> that's good um so you guys have just gone through your first I don't, is the word cohort cohort your first season your first foundational situation with setting up flock tell us how it came about and what it is yeah so um we we created flock um uh, in october of last year and it was kind of one of those things where we were thinking a lot about how can we give back. Um, there were so many cultural forces coming together, you know, the election, uh, the Me Too movement, um, even on like TV, the the female friendship and support of, of women on like Big Little Lies. And we're seeing all these things come together and we kind of wanted to give back in some way. And so we looked at our own experiences and our own kind of skill sets to figure out how we could help other women specifically. And we thought about how great it would have would have been to have someone, a mentor, someone to talk to when we first moved to New York. So we said, we all moved to New York. We've all been through these different experiences, um, the hard times, the good times, the finding an apartment. Um, why don't we create a network um, and a a place for other women to come to, to get that advice, to get that mentorship, um, and kind of create a community where we could all work together and help each other and um, to succeed. So that's kind of the idea of, of how Flock started. That's yeah, cool. and we were kind of like, only, only we have had the same exact experience. You know, we wanted to have a really kind of focused impact. So when we were thinking about, okay, helping women, that's big, that's general mm -hmm. what about helping women who have had that same journey from eugene to new york they're in the first year or two of their careers we are a very rare group in being able to like really specifically help the, those women so mm -hmm. um i think we had a very small focus and then now we'll talk about it more but uh it always grows once things start to go well yeah. so totally totally and i'm on this thing right now about telling people to form gangs and and it's not that you took it's not that you listened to that or heard it at all but like i think we've we've got to do this more and more and more because especially people who think for a living and and almost who feel for a living we can really be lone wolves and we can walk around one like think believing in meritocracy and then we enter these environments where there's a whole other game playing on and we become pawns in that game if we don't start to dictate some of the rules and so i love the fact that you're you're doing this yeah. now you eugene couldn't be any more opposite <laughs> than new york right geographically yeah. opposite yes. uh, probably culturally so probably some good similarities actually yeah. but also, also quite opposite 
what's it like in your last six months at, at university there thinking about trying to make that that sprint and leap into a New York agency? <laughs> it's scary. I mean, so we just had um, a lot of people, from, like mostly seniors from that program, the advertising program at U of O. We're just in New York for a week and they're so excited and so like ready to make that jump. So they're at the end of that six months, you know, they're getting pretty close to graduation, mm -hmm. but there is a lot of fear too. They're just like, Whoa. you know, like yeah. simple questions are, was it scary to ride the subway after 9 PM? Um, so I think that I, for me, at least those, those six months leading up to it, were just trying to wrap my head around something I had no frame of reference mm -hmm. for like, only understood through the movies and mm -hmm. TV and stuff. So yeah, I think they have a very glamorized view of New York. Um, and leading up to it, you think it's going to be so exciting and special, and you know, like Carrie Bradshaw in the streets, and it's just so far from that. But I think you kind of know it's going to be a big change, but you don't realize how big it is. Um, and I think you're also head down trying to finish all your projects and your finals, and it, it takes up so much space in your brain that it, it can be really overwhelming. One other thing kind of that's part of our goal with Flock in general or just something we're thinking about with Flock is like especially that last six months can feel really competitive. Yes. I think that's part of the fear too of like I know my peers are gonna be looking for these same jobs as me. Mm -hmm. um, I want to like not tell them what I'm doing so I can have a leg up. And mm -hmm. I don't think any of that comes from a horrible place, but it, it's, there's this feeling of competitiveness, right? Like if New York is the best, only a few people can make it. So who's going to do it? Mm -hmm. um, and that's something we're really trying to counteract and say, no, we can, we can lift each other up. We can help each other. And in doing that, all of us succeed. It doesn't have to be just one of us right. isolated, you know, mm -hmm. Like you yeah, said, you, you, if I feel I feel that vibe if I go to a college or a portfolio school and I watch how people come up and talk to me and then cut each other off with their bodies a little bit and mm -hmm. the, you can feel it on the face. It's it's hard when you're in the moment to go oh because they're friendly and they've worked with each other for a while and they've probably right. worked on projects together, but then all of a sudden a shoulder gets moved and the person mm -hmm. gets cut off from a conversation. Um, usually the conversation is how do I get, can you, it's not really how do I get a job, it's can you get me a job, but it's, yes. it has all these other words around it. <laughs> um, what's, how, how did you guys make the leap to New York? What was your path? Can I start? You want to start? I'll start. You start. Um, so we both grew up outside of Oregon. So Oregon was an out of state school for us. Mm -hmm. um, I was not wanting to go back to Colorado, not wanting to stay in Oregon, tired of the rain mostly. Yeah. <laughs> so SF was also out of the, the picture. I don't know, I just kind of was one of those things where I was like, New York would be amazing, really just kind of from a lifestyle perspective. I also had that competitive thing of like, I just wanna get there. Yeah. So I didn't have, I had an unpaid internship through someone um, that I met through an alumni um, at a venture capital firm that was five people. I was thinking about um, data, the shared economy, um, kind of the quantified self, all of that stuff at the end of um, college. And I was interested in maybe working in tech and startups. So venture capital felt like a cool way to meet people. Um, 
I, I, I wouldn't recommend this, but yeah, I moved out with the unpaid internship. I had a friend who had a paid internship and we um, shared a bed. <laughs> we had, we were like really scraping uh, the bottom of the barrel and being careful with our money. And then um, after three months of that, interviewed at Big Spaceship, got the internship at Big Spaceship, and then felt kind of comfortable to say, okay, I'm going to stay here. And were you working other jobs for Inca? No. no. I, had, I had worked all through college and saved enough money to give myself. Basically, my, my goal was focus 100% on staying in New York for three months. And yeah, so I, I did what I could to make sure that was financially possible. Right, right. But yeah, it was tight. I mean, I, I remember when we brought you in on an internship, and it'd be great to hear your thoughts on internships as well. But the fact that you had had that that three months of experience and had an interest in quantified self—that's what a lot of us talk about. Like, you can't just have a portfolio because often when you're starting out a portfolio, they're not going to be great. But you you do want to see basic thinking, and then above the portfolio is like a dangerous portfolio where someone's got project work where you're like, holy crap. Where do they get that thinking from? That scares me and that's super attractive. <laughs> and then above that, you've got like having a broader interest that you've then applied to something. And, and I think that was definitely one of the things that were like, oh, Rochelle's, she's legit. And it, and it proves that you are. It, yeah. it, it turns out that you are. It doesn't prove that you are. It turns <laughs> out that you are legit. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that made such a difference. So good to know. Um, Mike. Yeah, my experience, I kind of, I have family out on Long Island, so I grew up coming to visit in the summer um, all growing up, and I always knew that I wanted to move to New York, so I just worked, I did everything I could to get there, and I think, you know, studying advertising, it made sense to come out here, so uh, when I moved, I lived with my family uh, out on Long Island for three months um, to save money to get an apartment, and in terms of jobs, I had done a bunch of projects around like nail polish and um, like makeup and beauty in, in my portfolio and I had a friend that worked at a small agency who needed a community manager for Maybelline and Essie so it kind of made sense that I had all this work in my portfolio I, I obviously had interest I understood the category so they um, gave me a job a week after I graduated um, and so I started in social and understanding you know who was talking in the community and kind of grew up from, from there. Okay. But yeah. And, and there aren't that many junior strategy roles <laughs> and, and that does frustrate a lot of people. When you were at, at college, did you think that it would be relatively, well, you know, straightforward and painless to get a junior strategy role? Did you think you would have to do some leapfrog to get there? I kind of thought I did. And that's why I took um, the community manager job. I thought, why don't I establish myself, get, get in New York, get a job, sh like show that I'm smart, show that I can, I'm capable of doing all these things and then, um, you know, build my skill set from there. Um, so that's, I figured that's how I was going to go and it kind of worked out that way. I was surprised that there weren't weren't as many junior strategy roles yeah. obviously i think you and i had that conversation mark of like wait no i think junior strategy is a thing and you were like maybe <laughs> <laughs> um i think part of programs and part of having like advertising programs and part of wanting to choose a focus in those programs is kind of assuming that there's a job at the end of that for you mm -hmm. um so that was 
even if I kind of maybe knew, I didn't want to believe that there weren't that many junior strategy jobs because there were plenty of junior designer jobs and uh, junior copywriter jobs. And why couldn't I do that? I had, you know, done all the classes, you know, collaborated <laughs> with all of those people. So yeah, it was a surprise, especially thinking about, I, I was really interested in digital, like smaller digital agencies and even just strategy in general at those places isn't a sure thing. So um, that was for sure a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's still, and that's still true. A lot of the smaller digital shops, they don't have necessarily a dedicated strategy function mm-hmm. and it's, it's loosely defined. And most digital, small digital agencies are built around a particular type of execution, you know, right websites or product or crazy avant-garde museum interfaces, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very hard when you're talking to someone who's passionate and they go red in the eyes and they think they've got 30 minutes to convince you that there is a thing as a, such a thing as a junior strategy role and you're the person who's going to give it to them. You're like, oh, what's happening right now? <laughs> Stop bullying me. Uh, what and, and Chelsea, what kinds of skills, well, really for both of you, from community management and the social aspect are, are useful as you move into other types of strategy work? So I think the skill sets that I developed in community management was really listening and understanding the audience and like what people were talking about, what they were interested in, um, how they reacted to certain products and the commentary. And then I was then able to hear everything they were saying and then apply it to smaller, you know, content briefs and saying, okay, well, we know that um, the community loves um, eyeshadow and they talk about eyeshadow this way, but they don't really so much talk about face makeup because it's more of like a private thing, um, private private products that people use and they don't want to you know, talk about where eyeshadow or lipstick or something is a loud thing that people want to try in different colors and stuff. So able to learn what people were thinking, what they were talking about, um, just spending a lot of time online, whether that was, you know, directly talking with them on Twitter or Facebook, but then also going on Pinterest and Tumblr and seeing the kinds of content that they were producing and what people were creating and kind of taking all those earnings and then applying them to the content that we were then creating. Yeah, the community management role, I do think data and analytics and community management, doing that and being close to people is such a, an awesome building building ground for strategic thinking yeah, as, yeah. Long as, as long as you think along the way like if you just take a community management role and you're just executing and banging it out and you're not just stopping every now and then and thinking about the trends you're seeing yeah. then that that's not going to evolve for you yeah. but but you know planning or strategies about understanding people so what better way to do that than by interacting with them all the time yeah have conversations <laughs> with them yeah, yeah. So, i completely agree and, and, and other than the, so as far as your personal experiences in the first six to 12 months after you moved here, uh, as well as what you're hearing from people who've just moved here, what's that first phase like living in New York when you are probably not on a huge salary, when you're trying to understand what industry you're actually in and what your career is all about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think something that advice that we will give starting this summer and through the fall is kind of like give yourself the space to to kind of think and and evaluate how you're feeling don't just charge ahead i think there's this um kind of impulse to get an apartment in the right neighborhood make a bunch of friends like figure out the part of the social senior part of um you know impress your boss get a raise like 
it's too many things at once. Um, and like, it's totally overwhelming and you're never going to do a good job at all of them. I think for me, it was easy for me to say, I'm just going to prioritize my job right now, not worry too much about um, figuring out my life here. In retrospect, ooh, maybe not the right <laughs> decision, but um, yeah, it's, I, I actually had a friend who's 28 just moved to New York and I gave her the same advice. I was like, don't try and figure everything out right now. Just, you know, acknowledge that it's a crazy time and try and strip away extra stuff if you can. Yeah, I think um, just to build off that too, uh, I was lucky enough to be able to stay with family for the time when I first moved to New York. Um, but it wasn't ideal. It was still a long commute and I didn't want to live in a small bedroom um, with all my family members. I, I kind of wanted to be out on my own and create a life for myself. So it was a lot of pressure um, in trying to navigate uh, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to live, doing a good job at work, trying to connect with friends, trying to make friends. Um, and it's overwhelming and, and just, I think, I made a lot of mistakes along the way of trying to do too much and um, being maybe too like bright eyed. So I, I think your point of, of kind of taking time to really evaluate everything that's going on is, is good advice um, and, and not trying to do everything. Mm. Yeah. And is, is, is New York a lonely city? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and yeah. That's something I, I, I've talked about to a few girls too. When I first moved here, I, I didn't have a ton of friends like I knew you, but we were all kind of trying to make it on our own. But you spend a lot of time alone. And I always thought about being sitting on the subway and being like, oh my God, I'm surrounded by these people, but I feel very lonely. Uh, and it's kind of something that you have to get over or learn to enjoy. And yeah. I think that that's something that I, I tried to do is really relish my alone time and see it as a time for self-improvement and self-reflection. Um, but New York does get very lonely. We actually, so we have like a closed Facebook group for Flock, um, trying to get, you know, create as much of a nice vibe that people can just ask questions and share advice and stuff like that. And actually after coming to New York, one of the girls on, on the visit, one of the girls asked like, what, it seems like I will be lonely if I come out, what do I do there? And all of us were like, okay, here's a great article and here's some tips. And, you know, I think even just acknowledging, um, <laughs> that it's lonely feels makes it feel better and less lonely. I, I agree. But what's your advice? So my advice is always, I'm, I'm such a like, let's balance, let's keep things balanced, um, <laughs> everything in moderation, but is like actually take a long time, even if you feel lonely, like, like Chelsea said, like, appreciate that, acknowledge it. It's, it's good. Take that time to think because it's hard to find time to think in the city. And then two, like, be the annoying person who calls people that you just met and ask them to hang out. Mm -hmm. And that's scary, mm -hmm. but just force yourself to do it. And mm -hmm. it gets less scary every time. And that's the right, that's kind of one of the only ways to make friends is put yourself out there. So, mm -hmm. and I think that there are so many free uh, events in New York that probably other people go to by themselves and you can either meet people there or I know there's a lot of like free free workout classes in, in different parks that you can go to. I've, I've noticed that sometimes I'll go to the gym by myself 
when I first got here and even now and, and I'll meet people and then I start seeing them in the class regularly and then I kind of think of them as my workout buddy, have conversations with them. And I think if you turn on your I want to talk to people and I want to make friends mode, then people will respond well to that. And I think you can kind of tell pe from people's body languages or um, their, their, you know, what they're putting out to you and you can take advantage of it and, and talk to people. And I think it's, it's good for you to also learn how to talk to people um, that you might not know, because then it's another skill set that you can apply to your, apply to your job and makes mm -hmm. you better at that. Mm -hmm. So part of the work you guys are doing with Flock is to help women get jobs. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? So I, we're not helping, we're not, so a couple ways. We will post job, uh, jobs that we hear about in our Flock Facebook group, the private group saying, I know great things, I hear great things about this place or my friend is looking to hire someone. So we're trying to help funnel job opportunities that way, but then also helping them with their resume or uh, helping give them advice on how to email someone that they want to talk to, or um, here's how, here, have coffee with me and I'll learn about you. And then, you know, maybe I know someone I can put you in contact with. So using the network, trying to provide opportunities that we see um, and kind of just giving them advice on how to present themselves. And, you know, we want to establish this thing called a closet exchange too, where if you're moving to New York and maybe you don't have a blazer or you don't have, you know, a, and a work appropriate outfit to go to an interview, helping set something up so we can provide, help provide those little things. Um, so kind of just hitting every touch point to help them you know, present themselves in the best way. Yeah, and different girls need advice in different parts. So mm -hmm. I think we're, we're keeping it pretty open-ended at this point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's the interview you need help with, if it's the follow-up email, mm -hmm. if it's actually finding the opportunity, and, and then what are some of the most common themes that, uh, or questions that are asked in the Facebook group? Right now, I think a lot of girls are asking about uh, salary and how much they should be making on their internship and what's, you know, appropriate, what's the, what's the average, um, what should they expect. And so we just actually put out uh, a little survey in Google Doc yesterday of, all the girls who have been established in New York to put in their what they made as an intern or what they made as in their first year in New York. So to help kind of average that out, we're going to, you know, put some, we're going to create a blog post about it and about how to ask for a certain amount, how to negotiate more, what you should expect, um, and what kind of benefits come with that. Yeah, because there's definitely a difference. Um, in your like entry level internship mm -hmm. of what you can negotiate for what you know how does like vacation days overtime mm -hmm. that stuff is not as formalized usually with internships so mm -hmm. i think um yeah we've had a lot of questions around that and and like we've talked about already a lot of questions around like life in new york and and how different that is from eugene and how we transition so, mm -hmm. oh, so for the first year or two what sorts of salary range are you guys hearing about we're seeing like 35,000 to 50,000 is kind of in, in the first year range that we're seeing. Um, it differs from, you know, a large established agency to a small digital agency. So uh, that's kind of the range we're seeing. Yeah. And, and some people started at like entry level with a salary and some people mm -hmm. did unpaid internship then paid internship then salary. So kind of um, we're showing the different journey. Mm -hmm. 
possibilities there too. Yeah. And, and do you guys have a strong point of view on the idea of unpaid internships? Uh, even though Rochelle <laughs> had one, I'm very against it. Um, I think it's, it's, you can't live um, on not getting money and expect work. And I, and I think those who can afford to take paid internships, I mean, you, you saved a lot of money, but a lot of people are maybe getting help from their parents. And I think you kind of, from an agency perspective, you're, you're cutting out so many smart people from that. Like you're just, you're going to get a certain type of person. Um, and I think it's, it's, you're not providing opportunities to everyone. And I don't think it's a good look. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. The place that I went that I had my unpaid internship was a company of four people. So for me, I, I didn't, it, I knew that I, I feel the same as Chelsea. And yet I was like, okay, I'm willing to make this sacrifice. I know these are good people. Mm -hmm. Also, we did sort of a, like, I scratch my back or I scratch your back. You scratch my back kind of thing. They were like, if you work for us for three months, we will literally introduce you to anyone. <laughs> we'll do everything we can to get you a job. And mm -hmm. again, like that's a risk that definitely cuts people out who, who can't make the financial jump. Um, but it's a risk that I, I took, but yeah, it's not advice that I give to other people. Okay. And then what, what do you think makes a good internship? In terms of like the experience that you would get in a good, in an internship? Well, what if someone's looking to take an internship, what should they be looking for? Uh, I have I've run actually an intern program at the last agency I was at. And what I wanted to kind of provide, the experience I wanted to provide the interns was, I wanted you to be able to work on real life work. Um, I wanted you to contribute to the team and um, actually see your work, you know, in come to life in terms of a deck or you know a brief um, but then also we had an intern project for them where they went through and looked at all the uh, all the can entries for from the last year and see what trends there were what kind of work was winning what uh, was interesting to them and so giving them kind of a project and something a little bit bigger to look at and kind of, and develop their skills in that way we're looking at trends or you know, what good work is and being able to figure out what strategy went into that, uh, I think had, had their brain working in different ways. So I think that yeah. is what I would recommend for people to look for. Yeah. As a student evaluating different internship opportunities, as mm -hmm. I say that as if I had options, <laughs> I did not have options. <laughs> um, but if I had options, I, I would look for what I call like the angel. Like when I, interviewed at Big Spaceship, um, it was scary. It was like six or seven strategy people like in a semicircle, all facing me, asking me questions. And um, Vic, our, our good friend Vic Nero, who is now um, the head of social at Big Spaceship was smiling and nodding at me the whole time. He was like giving me these vibes of like, you got it, you're smart, we like you. Um, and I had a little side conversation with him before I left. And it just, I just got the feeling that he would watch out for me and really care about um, my personal growth, whether that was like in this specific thing that I was getting hired to do or kind of, you know, or if I wanted to do something else, he would give me advice. I, I felt a personal connection and felt like um, 
I wouldn't be just a number and working on a project. So yeah, that's really I think that makes the world of a difference. And that's true in jobs too, finding right. that person. What, what, what are two or three of the, the most common, I guess, issues that people have with internships? One we've talked about a lot as a group is the kind of navigating the conversation around internship to real job. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes people don't have that conversation early enough or think someone else is having that conversation for them. Mm -hmm. um, so we've, there's a really good blog post um, from Amelia talking about like, she got to the last week of her internship, thought she had a job and then they just said, you don't. Um, and that's really, really tough. That, but that's really hard because sometimes in the agency, you just, you don't know if you, you're going to, if you want to pitch then things, and that's not just when people at the intern level, it can also be at the, <laughs> the head of strategy level or the strategy director level that, you know, someone's like, look, we want to, we want to have our pipeline there and we think we're going to win this pitch and then we need to hire a lot of people really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then that might not happen. So that can be a little bit tricky as well. Yeah. Um, and then, so what are, what are the initial uh, goals for, what, what, what are you guys now focused on with Flock? You've had your first, first event. How did that go? It went really well. It was amazing. It was really exciting. Um, it, it, I have so much respect for people who plan events and um, producers and, and everyone who can you know, put on a show like that because we all brought all of our, our skills together to, to try and put on an event. It was really hard. It was hard. Um, <laughs> but it went really well. We had a great turnout. Um, we had over 100 people and uh, women, we had a panel from women from MTV, from uh, Daily Harvest, Refinery29, and um, what was the last? Um, Wolf and Wilhelmina. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and so we, we had all these women, um, and they, they were incredible, and all the feedback was great. People loved it. People found, felt like they, they learned a lot, and it was a lot of good information that they, that they needed at that moment. It was a lot about living in New York. It was about navigating your first job, um, about ne negotiating what you're worth in terms of pay um, and how you know, to, to kind of just survive within the industry. And also in terms of what's next for us. So we had this big event, super successful, hundreds of hundred of people, <laughs> more, than uh, more than 100 people, lots of kind of recent grads. And um, so that was big and kind of a light touch point now transitioning into the summer we're going to have girls that are moving out here and we're going to focus kind of more narrowly on um, more impactful direct mentorship with the people assuming they want it but we've heard that they're interested yeah. in it um, with the people who are here and starting things out so kind of focusing in on more one-on-one -on -one relationships even though we have this big group um, that's always there and we're doing a little, we're thinking about the right way to do mentorship pairing. Mm -hmm. um, we did a little bit of that um, just based on interests, but mostly discipline. Mm -hmm. And um, I, what I realized from that is like, yeah, I have a ton of person, a ton of things to give to a person based on my experience, but also I want them to meet Chelsea and, oh, I want you to meet this person as well. So it's not like, okay, you're assigned to this person, they're your only mentor, but it, it does help. Um, just make a, a stronger re relationship and connection. So it's narrowing in and then big picture, big picture. We've heard from um, people we know and people we don't know in San Francisco and Portland.
Portland, LA, LA who want different cities. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to do their own version of flock. So we're thinking about like what scale would mean as well, but mm. no news on that yet. Okay. What, what makes a good mentor relationship? Are you guys suggesting a certain cadence or structure or a way to initiate the mentorship and keep it going? I think still figuring that out, but I think it does work in the people have reached out to us. And this is how we did it when all the girls visited um, last week is that they, they reached out and saying, I would love to uh, meet with someone. Here's a little bit about me. I'm a strategist. Here's my, uh, you know, some interests that I have and kind of pairing people that way. Uh, and I think that worked really well. Um, there's also an idea of, that I read in an article recently about having kind of your board of directors. And this is maybe building off your point about meeting different people is that having your one-on-one -on -one connection, but then that can help grow. And, and maybe you find other people that help you in different ways and maybe within the flock community and, and getting to know each other uh, across the board, we're then able to make those little connections. So maybe if you're, I can, I'm a strategist and I can help you, but if you love rock climbing, you know someone else who loves rock climbing and then you can help build a relationship that way and we're all still within the community and maybe they can provide different perspectives so i think it's just building off of one another mm -hmm. um figuring out the cadence that works for everyone i'd recommend you know you know looking at schedules and figuring it out that way but yeah i think we've kept it really organic and that seems to work like yeah. like here's my phone number here's my email like mm -hmm. do what you want with that please call me yeah. like, don't, don't be scared to call me and actually make this a, a relationship. So we'll know more, but so mm -hmm. far so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to ask you uh, some questions around gender. So I have a, I have a 10 year old daughter. She mm -hmm. plays pretty, she's pretty good at chess. She's pretty good. <laughs> and we were in Chicago recently and, and it, there was a, an all girls competition, about 500 girls from all over the place who'd, who'd come to join, uh, who'd come to play, play chess. And uh, my wife posted about this on Facebook and one of our dear, dear, dear friends back in Australia, a guy said, doesn't this create more divisiveness that seems to be against, like it, it doesn't help the problem that people are trying to, trying to solve. And any time that I've talked about men and any time people will talk about women, the other gender is always like, well, what about us? Mm -hmm. uh, and at the same time, it's been interesting because in chess, there is, a, there is a problem in that girls do get a little bit pushed out of chess and they tend to mm -hmm. play it less and less as they grow. So there's actually in the, the US, uh, there's a committee, I've forgotten what the organization is called, but basically the, the people who run US chess and they're trying to work out how to keep more girls in it. And one of their ideas has been to have girls rooms at events where they sometimes have, I think like massages and manicures, which to me is a little, it's not really what I would sign my daughter up for. So that's a little bit of a twist for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but it goes to show you how we're all so different in our perspective on things like gender, where there are many people who don't believe gender is a thing. Uh, could you see Flock opening up beyond women? Is there a strong gendered point of view with this? Do you have a better question that will get me to the question that I'm really trying to ask you? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So lots of questions in there. One yeah. is right now we're, we are focused on women. Um, we're also kind of open, 
open to like non-binary people who are queer identifying female identifying femme identifying so we're keeping that pretty open um, we don't want it to be exclusionary at all but we recognize like you said that there's there's in most industries uh, women can get pushed out and and there is some extra support that's valuable so there's there's a delicate line to toe there um, we had we did a fundraiser um, and we had a few people say wait a second so I don't I, you're asking me as a guy to give to this, but I'm not going to benefit from it. Men aren't supposed to benefit from it. What's going on? So, so we've dealt with that as well. I think our biggest thing is, um, you know, we want to give focused, very specific support. We can do that um, to these women who we know are going to face a few extra challenges as they're, as they're looking for jobs. And, you know, we want, we're going to choose specific times where we're completely open. So for example, our event was completely open, all genders, all ages, all people, anyone. Um, we actually had someone just totally random who didn't know any of us show up. So that worked too. Um, and, and one of the questions we talked about is how people can be, um, how non-women um, can can help women out and and be advocates as well. So mm-hmm. that's I think we want to focus on the topic of helping women get jobs and paid and shine mm-hmm. in New York, um, but it doesn't have to be exclusively women working on that issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anything else? Yeah, um, I think we, you know, the only thing that is private is our Facebook group. We have a blog that anyone can read and follow. I think the advice probably will apply to a lot of people. Yeah. Our Twitter is, you know, public, our Instagram is public, but um, I think we have, back to going to our experiences, we have a very interesting perspective as women and challenges that we faced, and I think we're just trying to help other women who might, who might, might have those same challenges, and so I think our, our advice and our perspective is helpful to them, but it, it might be to a lot of people, and that's why we have the blog, um, and our events will, will be open, and I think we want we want we want to help everyone it's it's not supposed to be like a men hating group it's really just to bring people up and to help and to make other people help help each other be successful um and it's hard uh, but i think i i've learned too that maybe going entering my career i wasn't as confident as i should be um because i didn't have anyone and then i'd like to think that within a group like flock having the support and having other women around you who've been through some of the same things that'll help build your confidence. And so you can go out and not, and, and, and face anything, any challenge that you have, men, women in the room, whatever. So it's, I think it's about building confidence uh, within our group and, you know, helping you face other, other things that might come down the road. Yeah. So I'm actually on the topic of, um, of women in advertising. I'm interviewing professor Casey Windles who did the research that led to the conference or the name of the conference that is the 3% conference. Have you guys attended that? I've not been able to, no. No. And so that's about how, oh, I actually need to reread this in case I misquote it. I think the, oh, is the statistic that 3% of creative directors are women? Is it that? Yeah, I, think so. I don't know if it's improved, but yeah, that, that was the statistic. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna be talking about this in a couple of weeks. Um, how do you improve this if you're if you're not in flock if you had how can other people help what needs to change why does it need to change (laughs) we could talk for hours about this uh one very very simple easy thing that i saw someone share on equal pay day is 
for men or people who are um, kind of more established in a company, an advertising agency, let's say, just telling one or two female coworkers how much you make is a, mm-hmm. makes a world of a difference. Mm-hmm. Just giving someone that leverage to know um, they may be being taken advantage of consciously or subconsciously, mm-hmm. um, huge, huge, huge. Mm-hmm. I do that um, for my female coworkers as well. I try to be super transparent about pay because if that's, um, that's the main problem in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree. And I think another thing to, is just being aware. Um, and I think if you're in a hiring position, um, being looking at who you, the resumes you're getting and, and asking why they're only men or why they're only people from one school or um, making sure that you are aware of the issue and, and bringing in a diverse um, pool of voices and and if you have that power to hire, interviewing all of them and, and hearing from all of them and then, and then you know, hiring the person who's most qualified, but, but being aware that there's, there is a big gap in, in leadership and who is, has a seat at the table and doing everything that you can to try and balance that out, I think is another thing that anyone can do. The other thing <laughs> from our event, Valerie from um, Wilson Wilhelmina says mm-hmm. she asks men to think about the weight rule, W-A-I-T. Mm-hmm. And it's basically when you're in a meeting, just ask yourself, why am I talking? <laughs> and I think some of, the, some of the younger girls at the event were like, oh, that's good. And I was in the back like, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, small, simple things mm-hmm. like that, I think, yeah. can make a big difference. Mm. Oh, that's a whole thing, isn't it? Because I, I mean, I, even I get a little bit introverted and I've been in, in situations where with men and women here and I'm like, I can't get a word in for 40 minutes and I'm not going to fight. I don't need to fight. Right. Because then at some point you're like, it's just disrespectful. Are you that unself-aware or self-unaware that you're talking for 40 minutes over everyone every time they start to talk. You're like, you know what? <laughs> just do your thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go do some writing. Yeah. Right. But then, you know, that meeting misses out on really smart voices. Mm-hmm regardless of gender, really smart voices because someone hasn't asked themselves that question. So yeah, it, it, it transcends the gender question for yeah. sure. Yeah. And then as far as being founders and starting something, what have you guys learned about your journey together so far? Uh, I've, it's, oh, I've learned a lot. Um, I, it, it has been a big undertaking um, and I've, it has become a, a much bigger thing than I anticipated. And it brings me so much joy though, to hear feedback from, from these girls and from other people being like, yes, this is so important. Or like, yes, I needed this, or I'm, I'm so thankful that you exist. So it's been really, really fulfilling that way. Um, and I, I think at the same time, it's balancing my nine to five, but then also some, uh, this other side project hustle thing that we've created that I want to put so much time into and, and really build and establish. And it's, it's hard balancing. Uh, but I think I'm so grateful for, for Rochelle and, you know, a group of other women who have, have dedicated their time to helping make this become a thing. Uh, we have a, a writer who is, you know, the editor-in-chief of the blog, and we have a designer who's, you know, curating the, help curating, curating and developing the Instagram, and so we have all these different pieces. I mean, we're building a brand, we're building a thing, so I think we all have really great skills to help do that, but it's, it's hard, and I've learned that it's okay to delegate and um, ask people for help and 
you know, just do something you believe in and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll ha- gain traction and, mm-hmm. and grow. Yeah. I think with this specific topic that we're focusing on, there's a lot of energy and excitement mm-hmm. and yeah, all that feedback of this is so important. This mm-hmm. is needed. And what's been a, a challenge. And I think something we've practiced and did a good job with, with the event is figuring out who's excited about this mm-hmm. and who's ready to step up and help us. Yeah. <laughs> and for us kind of quickly transitioning those conversations to great. We're glad you're excited. How are you going to support us? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe with a little bit more grace in that question, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, making sure we're getting help because it's too much to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, what, what you guys are doing is so important. There's such a yearning for a, a desperate yearning for real talk and being in a room of people who think like I do. And the, the mind game that happens, especially in New York, but I do think in general, is a lot of the things that exist are really extensions of the establishment. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to say that in a silly 15-year-old, like, screw you world kind of way, but a lot of the events, conferences, and gatherings are either an extension of a, a, a new business process <laughs> or yeah. they're, they're part of a PR situation with, the holding companies getting together going, what are the things we need to talk about? And then let's put it on an event. And it's, it, there's not a lot of unusual risky voices in these events. It's all very, I find very smooth. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is really, really important. Um, last question. Did you guys attend Time's Up, the Time's Up event? Have you heard much about it? I've heard about it and I wanted to go. I was unable to, because I think it was at like three in the afternoon and I had, I had meetings that day at work, but I wanted to go and I, and I heard that there was some controversy over um, only letting agency women in and not, you know, freelancers or people um, in media or what have you. Um, so I've, I've heard about it. I'm, I think it's great that it's, that it's there and it's, we're now paying attention to it. But I think to your point, all the people uh, speaking and participating are, are very high level um, and high up and I completely believe that they have their, uh, all of their experiences are unique and, you know, they've probably dealt with a lot in their careers. But I think the, also the beauty of Flock is that we're, we're not, you know, CEOs. We're, you know, mid-level, um, just starting out. And so I think, I think the, the organization of Time's Up for, for advertising will, will benefit to, to support, you know, maybe some smaller voices um, and mm. listen to more, a, a diverse pool. But I, yeah. I wasn't able to go, so... Yeah, that's the feedback I heard. I felt pretty isolated from it as a freelancer and as I'm less focused on agencies now and that's not really like a career um, goal of mine to be connected with agencies in the same way. So um, just been kind of focusing on flock, making those connections. Yeah, I think it's all an important movement. And, you know, I think it can also be hard. It's probably easier for me to talk about this because then it's my words and you guys work with people and have jobs and I I do that as well. But, um, you know, I was watching or following the Diet Madison Ave Instagram, Insta stories, and, and there was some concern in the Insta stories about how that event was organized by people in power um, it seemed, it seemed, this is not what I'm saying. It's just a, a point of view that was coming through that it did seem elitist. It did seem to exclude rather than include. So a lot of people that we know weren't, were dis, people were disinvited or something if they didn't meet certain criteria. Uh, and then there was some concern and I definitely won't name names. There was some concern that some of the people leading the times up 
movement uh, were well known for enabling certain behavior that that movement does not want to see anymore. So I think it's really, really interesting because a lot of what you and what I'm doing right now is these are things that I feel are quite natural if you grew up on the internet. And now what we're seeing is more the people who haven't grown up on the internet, mm. who've grown up through the establishment, trying to work out how to be relevant to people who've grown up on the internet. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. So we're, I think we're at this really interesting cultural gap. But my, my hope is that we just shake out in a, in a better way so that hopefully my kids get to grow up in a, in a place where some of this has been sorted out a little bit more, knowing that we're humans, knowing that we're crazy, knowing that we're animals, but hopefully we're just less animalistic towards each other. You know, I think that's a decent outcome, however you measure that. Yeah. <laughs> um, where can people find you guys on the internet? We are hey underscore flock on, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, our website is hey-flock.com. Um, and what else? Heyflock at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. If you have questions, we're like yeah. literally just email us. We love to talk to people. Yeah. Do, do you have any events scheduled and do you need any collaborators slash support for what you're doing? Uh, we don't have our next event scheduled yet. We're kind of in the process of um, planning what is next. Uh, but yeah, always would love support and contributors and we're, we're open to everything. I mean, we're new, we're starting, we're, we're, you know, trying to get established and learning how this goes. So help, advice, support um, is all so welcome and, and appreciated. Yeah. And we'll let folks know if we have yeah. specific needs as, as that stuff gets planned. Yeah. So. I love it. I love it. That was the most corporate way to end this conversation, Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Chelsea, Chelsea Coleman, Rochelle de Gregorio from Flock. Thank, Thank you. So you. Great to talk to you. Great See you on the internet. Sounds good. Peace. Bye.